Hi, Jackie. Hey, Ramona. Um, Tonight was really exciting. Yeah, it was a very insightful conversation. Um, We got to talk to the Menopause Foundation of Canada. And what is that, Ramona? They're a new nonprofit advocacy organization, and they were created to raise awareness um, of the impact of menopause on women and society. So, you know, tonight we're discussing a lot of the things around the social stigma and taboos associated with menopause. And, you know, the main goals of this advocacy group is to ensure that women are feeling more supported by our healthcare system, the government, business, and the broader community. And that's really important, Ramona, like you and I have talked about our own personal journeys about when we first went through perimenopause and menopause and how we had to do a lot of exploration on our own. And we didn't know where to find resources. Our doctors weren't able to help us, not by any fault of their own, but just like they're not trained in menopause as we're learning. And so we were sort of left in the dark and we felt abandoned. And we also felt like we couldn't talk to our peers because of the stigma. So knowing that we have this new foundation makes makes us and should make all women feel really great about having these awesome women in our corner. Yeah, so tonight we're talking to the co-founders, Janet Co and Trish Barbato. And, you know, Trish shared, well, they both shared their own experiences. Um, and Trish particularly had um, severe menopause symptoms. And she became a, a patient advocate for the chair in menopause um, for Dr. Wendy Wolfman. And this work in particular propelled Janet and Trish to start the foundation because they felt so strongly that more advocacy was required. And advocacy is going to be a really important element moving forward because we've got so many brands targeting women now through femtech and beauty and health and wellness. But the thing is, we still have issues with obstacles and barriers and accessibility. We don't have any programs in place in the workforce that support us. Um, We don't maybe have access to prescriptions or drugs if like our healthcare plans or insurance doesn't cover it, but also just the lack of awareness. And when we talk about, you know, their focus on sort of educating and creating that awareness for women and society, that's really critical because as women, obviously it's very important for us to understand what's happening to us and how to optimize our health and what our options are. But society needs to, you know, start to open up that dialogue as well and and normalize this conversation because they have to give us the support, like I said, in the workplace, in the home, anywhere we are, like we need that extra support and we need that taboo to go away so that women are confident talking about this. Yeah. And I mean, these are some smart ladies we're talking to tonight. (laughs) By day, Trish is the president and CEO of the Arthritis Society. She's been a senior executive in the healthcare sector for over 20 years. Janet's professional background is in corporate communications. She's held senior management positions in the pharmaceutical industry, global life sciences, and the senior living sector. So they have a lot of experience, and I think they're going to do an amazing job advocating for women in our community. So have a listen to our chat with the Menopause Foundation of Canada. So when Jackie and I embarked on this journey together, we just knew we wanted to help people. We both felt really overwhelmed with the lack of information on menopause and really just the lack of conversation around it. 
And this podcast and the community we've built together, uh, I'm hoping is just the beginning of this journey. But what's really missing from this experience is the advocacy piece. And we both really didn't know where to begin. And we're so excited that you two are joining us today. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We're excited to be here as well. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the Menopause Foundation of Canada and and what what your goal is? I mean, most women don't even know that there are any sort of foundations around menopause that they can go to for resource. So and this is a very exciting new resource for everybody. So the, the, the Menopause Foundation of Canada is a new national advocacy organization that was created to raise awareness of the negative impact of menopause on women in society. We believe that we want to eliminate uh, the stigma, the taboos associated with menopause. And we really feel that our society is not providing women the support they need at this critical part of their life. And in fact, there's a huge knowledge gap for women. So you reach that perimenopausal stage and you actually don't understand what is happening to your body. And so this is not just negative for the woman herself, but it's for her family, for the workplace that she works in. Um, So we just need to change this. It's a gender equity issue. It's an imperative women's health issue that needs critical attention in Canada. Wow. I'll just add to that. (laughs) that when you think about a woman's health journey, it falls off the cliff at perimenopause. Mm -hmm. So yes, we're going to take care of you. And we understand when you get your period and people will talk to you about it. And you, here's all the books you need to know. And there's a group of women to support you. And when you're pregnant, there are policies at work to support you and ensure that you have a fair return to work and people understand the impact and they're there for you during that those childbearing years when you have children. And suddenly, at that perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause stage, there is virtually nothing. It's as if that part of a women's health journey has been completely forgotten. It's a black hole. And that is wrong at such an intense degree that we just felt compelled, literally compelled to do something about it. And so we started this foundation and just said, we need to advocate. We need to raise awareness. We need to just really raise the bar on the awareness of this health issue for women. And it's such, it's decades long, decades that this will be going on for. Mm -hmm. I love this. I mean, you, you just like it. You've said everything that Jackie and I have talked about for so long. And the whole reason why we started this as well is we felt the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an uncommon feeling. In fact, you know, you can ask most women in our audience and our community about, you know, how do you feel that you've been treated by your doctor or information that you're getting? And most of them say they, they know what menopause is but they really weren't prepared for perimenopause and they don't understand what's happening and they don't know that they're in it. Menopause is obvious. You go a year, you don't have your period, you're in menopause. But even with menopause, I think women feel like, oh, I can't wait to go through menopause. This will all be done. And I've got some bad news for those women. So I think it's great. Ramona and I, when we started She 2.0, you know, in our, our, plans for what we were going to do and how we were going to conquer was advocacy was one of the things on our agenda, but we just 
there's no way we could tackle it. We don't have the experience. We don't have the time. And then when we met with you and heard that you were doing this, it was just such wonderful news for us. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so, there's so much work to be done. And I think, Jackie, what you said about the perimenopause and then there's menopause and then it's like, surprise, ladies, mm-hmm. it's not. 12 months without a period, get through that and you're done. I think there's so many myths around menopause. So if you go to the perimenopausal stage, all of the symptoms associated with perimenopause are really not well understood at all. They were a surprise to me and to Trish on our personal journeys. Doctors don't proactively share that with you. But then there's this myth that I think many of us held, which was, ooh, can't wait till we get to menopause. Just get through that, maybe a few hot flashes, and it's over. And the reality is that's actually just the beginning of yet another stage of your life that you really have to be mindful of your health. For for women, your your symptoms post-menopause can last anywhere from four to 12 years, Mm -hmm. you know, having hot flashes into your 70s. But I think for me, the, the biggest and most significant learning moment, and one of the reasons why Trish and I decided this is so huge. It's such a women's health issue was that understanding and awareness that it's not just the symptoms of menopause that we need to know and we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's the long-term health implications. Absolutely. So, so like we've got estrogen receptors all over our bodies, in our hearts, in our brains, in our bones. And when do women have heart disease? When do they get bone disease? When do you have significant urogenital pelvic floor health issues, it is post-menopause. Mm-hmm. So this kind of notion that you're going to get through it, I think is false. Um, and maybe you do get through it, but you don't really understand that the loss of estrogen has a significant impact on your health. And every woman should at least have the facts to understand what's happening in their bodies to make some decisions on how they're going to Um, strengthen their health to live their life at the best, at the peak, because that's what we all want, right? Like we're thriving when we get to this state. I just want to pick up on that, Janet. I think it's such an important point. And in the most recent guidelines around menopause care, there's there's a statement in there around that aspect of symptom management that one hopes that we will move from symptom management, which is all we talk about right now, to disease prevention, to disease management. And mm-hmm. I think the evolution of thinking about this journey of this lack of critical hormones in our body and how that in fact that impacts our heart health, how it impacts our bone health, arthritis, for which I am the president and CEO, there is a huge impact more on women than men. And it's we think it's related to hormones, it probably is. We need more research to understand that. But there are all kinds of diseases that are more than likely impacted directly by this lack of estrogen. And we just don't understand this enough. And women don't see menopause, perimenopause, that journey of how it impacts on your overall health. And I think it's really important to start to help women understand and get this kind of knowledge so that they are well informed to make the decision that is right for them. It's already confusing because physicians are not 
that helpful. I mean, it's not their mm-hmm. fault, but they're they're not that helpful. And there's not enough out, there's not enough specialists out, there's not enough access for women to get that education that they need. And so it's really time for a change. It's just time mm-hmm. for this to be completely demystified. How can menopause be a mystery? How can perimenopause be a mystery to us? It can't. It cannot. It's ridiculous. It's a mystery that it's a mystery, (laughs) to be honest. And to think about like the women before us who have been going through this and suffering for years and there's been no conversation around it is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. I hear such passion in your voices when you both are talking about this that I'm already like, I I just want to get my pom poms out and be cheering you on. (laughs) So can you please talk to us a little bit about how you guys came to be involved in the Menopause Foundation of Canada? Well, I can start. Um, So I didn't have a clue about my perimenopause symptoms, but eventually when I went into menopause, that is when I had the most symptoms. My symptoms were completely debilitating. And um, I mean, mental health issues. I've never had anxiety in my life. And suddenly I had anxiety every day. Um, And there were many points where I I really thought, okay, I, I don't, I really don't want to choose to live like this anymore. And so the assistance I got was pathetic at best. Um, Doctors really had no clue what to do with me. I have tried, I can pretty much say I have tried everything, every type of natural product, every type of hormone replacement product. I even tried an experimental surgical procedure to inject a nerve inhibitor into the ganglionic nerve system behind your neck. So twice, because I thought, wow, I'm so desperate. So desperation, I would say, drove me to um, think about how to help other women. My my symptoms are still not under control Mm -hmm. and um, may never be under control. I think, wow, I I don't have the stamina to deal with this for that long. I just, I don't. Uh, so I better do, we better do something. About we better it. do something about <laughs> it. Solve my problem. <laughs> That's right. Right. I need to solve my problem. Yeah. And um, I think the other thing, and Janet can speak to this, but Janet and I are really, I would say just, we're just feminists at heart in the sense that we want women to succeed. We want women to be at their best. We want mm-hmm. women to take their rightful place in society and you cannot take your rightful place when you feel like crap. I have had to adjust work. I have had to say no to CEO positions in public companies. I have said no to a lot of things because I cannot do it. I simply cannot do it because of my symptoms. And that's just wrong. Um, Yeah. We need to do something about it. So I'll let Janet also share her story. Yeah, and I think Trish is one of the, is it is it 25% of women, Trish, for whom um, any kind of treatment is really not going to be particularly helpful to them, which speaks to there needs to be more research, like more fundamental research to support this critical area of women's health. I would say that my own menopause experience and perimenopause um, I had all kinds of symptoms that I did not attribute to perimenopause and no one, no doctor. um, I was going to great clinics and leading physicians 
And nobody said, oh, those heart palpitations you're experiencing, well, you're 47 years old and that's a, a, a symptom of being in perimenopause. And some of these other things that you're going through, you know, I had really severe itchy skin and scalp and all kinds of things that I now know are very typical perimenopausal symptoms, but nobody actually told me about that. What ends up happening is you might get treated for that one particular condition. Oh, you have heart palpitation. Let's make sure you don't have heart issues without anybody saying, hmm, you're a 47 year old woman. That is a symptom of perimenopause. Are you having any of these other symptoms? Mm -hmm. of and so for me, where I really understood, oh my goodness, I'm in menopause was when things really started to happen. And that's when, you know, your, your, your periods stop or they become more infrequent. And I was probably like right on target at that 51 year age for, mm -hmm. for menopause and then thought, oh my goodness. Okay. Well now I'm in menopause. I'm just going to push through these horrible symptoms that I'm having. I can push through. And I was having about 30 hot flashes a day, probably, maybe wow. more. Um, I was fortunate I wasn't one of those people that get like really sweaty and red mm -hmm. face, but it was like this, this wave of heat cascading over my entire body. And, um, and then of course, the night sweats, and then you're not sleeping, and then the brain fog, and all of those things that can be very detrimental to your life. And when you're you know, no matter what you're doing, it's going to affect your life. But, you know, Trish and I were both um, senior executives in very large organizations. It's really tough when you can't sleep. And then you go down that track of, all right, I'm going to go on Dr. Google and I'm going to try to help myself because um, I'm seeing physicians and they're not really helping me. Um, and then I tried naturopathic products. I had doctors say, well, why don't you go on an antidepressant? Um, and antidepressants can help with uh, your hot flashes, but I'm not a depressed person. I just have hot flashes and I can't. Exactly. Sleep. Yeah. And you're not you're not offered or given information on hormone therapy, and every woman should have all the information mm -hmm. at their disposal to make an assessment based on their own their own health risk, their own uh, goals and objectives for them. So, um, yeah, I think uh, unlike Trish, you know, I probably had a little bit more of a typical journey, but mm -hmm. we ended up in the same place, which is um, we really need as a society, the healthcare system, our government, um, our businesses, our communities, we've got to get on top of this uh, because it's not right that this critical health issue for women is not part of that health journey, the continuum of health that women should experience. It shouldn't stop after, you know, you've had your kids and, and you, you don't need mm -hmm. that support more. Then mm -hmm. it's sure that women are thriving at this part of the journey. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, there's no one size fits all approach to anyone's health journey, right? So like, you know, the four of us speaking now have all had very different um, experiences through menopause. So having being armed with all of the choices and the information is so imperative. And that's one of the things that we work on with the podcast was just, we're not advocating for one of these things in specific, we just want 
everyone to know what their options are so that they can explore them or bring them up with their healthcare practitioners. So they have at least the ability to open the dialogue and have a clear understanding of what their options are and try things that may work for them. And, you know, it's, it's just frustrating because we still haven't been, you know, I, I don't think to one healthcare practitioner in particular that is really focused and understands all of the options and the things. I mean, now the menopause practitioners are out and they are definitely starting to help more women, but they're still few and far between. And a lot of women don't know they exist, which is why we also talk about them. But they're also really expensive and I don't, I don't have benefits, so I don't know, but I don't Mm -hmm. think they're covered. So, you know, like, again, there's another barrier that women face to accessing healthcare in this area. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, from, from the foundation perspective, the menopause foundation of Canada would encourage women to rely on evidence-based sources of information about menopause. And if you go to the North American menopause society, they do have a a find a practitioner uh, tool on that site and you will find their Canadian physicians who are and do have expertise in menopause, um, which will be covered by various healthcare plans across the country. Then I think it's, um, you know, depending on what you need, then it's a question of what type of treatment options do you want or not want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, the big thing is really, if we don't even understand the 20 to 30 symptoms of perimenopause, you can, you can really be there and feel very alone mm-hmm. and, you know, you don't know what's happening to you and you might blame, well, I, I just need to try to get more sleep or um, I'm not doing well enough in X, Y, Z area rather than going, hmm, isn't it interesting? I've got five of these 10 symptoms that are perimenopausal symptoms. So the knowing that helps you to say, this is a typical or this is what I can expect. And then, it, and then the question is for each individual woman to determine Oh, what am I going to do about that? Am I going to change my diet, my lifestyle? Um, are my symptoms severe? Do I need to go and see someone? Um, there's all kinds of options, but if you don't actually understand the baseline of what you're going through, it's very hard to make clear decisions. And, and that knowledge gap is something that we really, really want to close. And we feel that, you know, from an advocacy standpoint, that's where we should have uh government and our broader community and healthcare system really supporting women. Everybody wants to champion women, but it's like, why? Why at this stage of our lives do we, as Trish said, fall off a cliff in terms of the support and the conversation that's out there? Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating too, because to your earlier point, um, think about symptoms like itchy skin or um, I'm not going to say depression, hot flashes, those are fairly understood. But I remember before I was fully in menopause, um, going to my doctor twice about what I thought was eczema. And I got sent to someone, she said, it's not eczema. Bye bye. That's it. That's like, that was my help. And then recently, I've been on uh, anti-anxiety, antidepressant since, um, since homeschooling and the pandemic. And I wanted to get an assessment for HRT 
because I'm five years postmenopausal. So I had to do a risk assessment where I found out all these horrible things that no, like my doctor never told me my cholesterol is through the roof had been for two years, but I, I didn't get the answers that I needed. It was just like, well, your cholesterol's through the roof. You can't have HRT. So she said, well, I'm going to put you on um, a new antidepressant, anti-anxiety that will help you with your hot flashes. Because if you want HRT, you're obviously trying to solve one of your problems. So I, I was, I am on a new anti-anxiety or depressant. And I was telling Ramona, I have to put deodorant on three times a day. I've never had BO in my life. I am sweating worse now than ever. So my hot flashes have been replaced with night, day, lunch hour, snack hour <laughs> sweats. I'm gross. And I would rather be dry and miserable than soaking wet and miserable all the time. So this is like, like there's no answer. It seems there's no answer. I know there is an answer, but this is how women feel. We feel blown off and we feel helpless. Yeah, I, I would say that it's really important for any woman who's experiencing those kinds of symptoms and feeling frustrated that you actually go to a menopause specialist. Um, these would be, you know, there's menopause clinics um, in various cities. Uh, for example, we're, we're in Ontario. Um, Mount Sinai Hospital has a world-renowned menopause clinic with one of the top menopause doctors in the country. You know, it might take several months to to get in to see one of those top specialists, but I think women need to really advocate for themselves. If we are not getting the help that we know we need, we need to advocate for ourselves and not accept some of the pat answers that medical practitioners, um, not deliberately, they are not trained in this area, mm -hmm. um, but not accept those answers when we know there's got to be something better. And I can just say from my own self, uh, I spent, I don't know, probably several years um, just accepting what was said and then trying different things. And then finally going to a top menopause clinic and a top um, OB guy who specialized in it. It took a while to figure out who to go to and who to see, mm -hmm. um, but that is very important. Do not give up. These are not symptoms that we should suffer in silence over. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it's a little bit of this uh, woman's burden, you know, mm -hmm. that you accept it, push through. Um, there are all kinds of things that women should be offered to allow them to make assessments on what they would like to do to manage any symptom that is really severe and debilitating. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to add that one of the things that the Menopause Foundation of Canada is going to try to do, and we're well on our way, is to create a medical advisory board, which we have nine members across the country now, and it'll be growing. And each of these individuals are specialists in this area, produce research, are clinicians, have just loads of education and training. And we'll be working with them to use them as supports in their regions so that someone in BC will know that this is the place in BC to go. And if they can't help you there, they would be able to help find other resources potentially for them. So we're going to continue to build out just um, in addition to what's already available through the North American Menopause Society, 
but just through our own network of our medical advisory board to build that out for, for women so that they can really get to someone who can listen and try and sort out what the best approach might be. Um, do you think that just from all of your experience today, personal and professional, do you think that if women are given the proper tools, given options and treatments, do you think that they can course correct during perimenopause so that menopause is a way smoother ride for them? That's the hope. You know, that that is the hope of what we're trying to do. I think, you know, like what you ladies have tried to do and other organizations, um, increasing the volume, you know, raising as an issue, talking about it, making women aware is just the beginning. It's like the starting point. Um, the more women know and understand what's happening at perimenopause, the better they will be at actually trying to get the support they need, or at least, um, you know, I always think about menopause is in many ways such a gift to women because it allows you to take stock of your life, whether you want to or not, you know, it will make you pause and reflect on many things in your life. And one of them is your health. And if you don't have certain things about your health in order, you're going to actually think about, well, I, I need to start doing this. I need to, I need to eat better. I need to exercise more. All of the basics that for so many reasons, many of us, you know, it's not consistent because we've mm -hmm. got kids and big careers and we've got all these other things that we're doing. Um, I think menopause is that opportunity in life to really say, you know, there's the next phase of our journey, the next chapter, what do we want that to look like? And being in the best possible um, state of health needs to be a priority if we're going to successfully manage through menopause for sure. It's right. And we talk a lot about self-care and it seems to be thrown out there a lot, but I think it's thrown out there quite a bit specifically when we're talking about this demographic is because it, it is a time for us to sort of reconnect with ourselves and remind ourselves that it's okay to be selfish sometimes and put ourselves first. And it's not being selfish. It's, it's doing something that we all should be doing every day. But more importantly, when you hit a certain age and you're going through some debilitating health issues because of perimenopause or menopause, it's just even that much more important. Yeah. I mean, I think that what I would add to that is, it's when women are quite weak during that time, they're quite vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And yet they need to be fiery advocates for themselves because there are so, there's so much lacking in the education of family physicians. Generally, they can't help you. They don't know. They're not mm -hmm. following the latest guidelines. They're still afraid of the women's initiatives that was done decades ago and, yeah. and still is giving women a lot of fear around hormone replacement. And so mm -hmm. it's it's a double whammy in a sense because you're you're physically and mentally weaker. And yet in order to go up against what you are facing, you need to be strong. You need help. You should, you know, you need to bring people with you. You need allies, your your spouse, your partner, your friends. Like you you actually have to have the courage and the fortitude 
to go through this because it can take months to get an appointment. It can take months to try this drug for three months and see if it works. Try this other one for three more months. This is a long journey to get to the combination of possibly drugs or naturopathic products or other lifestyle changes, whatever that combination is that's going to work for you. It could literally take years to to figure that out. And during that time, you have to be able to withstand how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's tough no matter what. It's so true. Like it, that really resonated with me, Trish, because it's also at a point in your life where, you know, we tend to have a lot of pressures as women, you know, like you say, you, you're an executive in your career, you're dealing with family or elderly parents, whatever the case may be. I think it's arguably one of the more stressful periods in our lives to begin with. And then having this on top of it, like, I have to be honest, like, a lot of the time, I'm too tired to still have that spark and fight for myself and advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. It's also and isn't really that tragic. Like, isn't that tragic? <laughs> it is. Yeah, we can it multiply really what you just said a hundred times, a thousand times, ten thousand times, a million times. Women are going through this around the world. We're living so much longer, and mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, there's just an atrocity to the idea that there is such a knowledge gap in all aspects of society around this. Mm-hmm. So I have a really good GP and that she fully admits she's trying to learn now. She's taking um, some courses on the side about menopause, but she admits she doesn't know a lot. And she's actually referred me to Mount Sinai. So I have an appointment in a few months. Um, so I'm excited about that. But at the same time, I have this really huge cholesterol issue. And I feel like we're still in that mindset where if we go above our GP or it's like cheating on your hairdresser with another hairdresser, like you just feel bad. Like, I'm not saying I don't trust you. And and then I think, well, then I'm going to go back to her for something else. Like, what if she spits in my soup? Like, that's it's such a concern that you don't want to upset someone because you're not getting the answers you need, but you also don't want to settle for that. So we're still in that. We don't know if we're right or wrong because there's not enough out there for us to make that decision, but we don't feel comfortable with the advice we're getting here. We just don't know where else to go for it. We, the four of us know a lot more because we've all been doing our research and we've created like the foundation and she 2.0 because of that. But think about women in their early forties who foolishly don't listen to our podcast. Like how will they know? But they don't know that what they don't know. And that's the big concern. And you know, they don't know that there is a menopause practitioner. They don't know to say to their doctor, well, my skin is really itchy and it's not psoriasis and it's not eczema. What else could it be? They just think, well, I guess it is what it is. So it's it's really tough for women out there because even though we feel Ramona and I were learning, there's so much we don't know, but we also think we know so much more than we did when we started. It's funny, uh, Jackie, Trish and I often remind ourselves, remember where we were three or four years ago. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've just educated ourselves so much through this journey. And it's true that women don't have the time or even, it, again, it comes down to that knowledge base. 
how would they do this education if they don't even understand, oh, guess what? There is this thing called perimenopause and there will be 20 to 30 different symptoms that you may actually have. And when you have those, here's some things you should think about. Here's how you can talk to your doctor. So I agree that we know so much more as individuals because we've decided we want to take this up as a cause. Um, to your point about, you know, women feeling uncomfortable, maybe insulting their doctor if they ask for a referral or if they question, that's such a female thing, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. we, we always want to, to please, we're, we care about other people's feelings. I would just say menopause, like any other aspect of health, you know, if you have cancer diagnosis or whatever you may have, you need to take control. Mm -hmm. And be the one, if you understand fundamentally that it's not your GP's fault, like if we understand that our GPs get almost no special mm -hmm. training in menopause, yeah. and something I learned, our GPs are not even, or our family physicians, I think is how they prefer to be called, um, they are not even compensated for having a menopause conversation with us. So, you know, they're not trained, they're not compensated for it. So is it a surprise that when you go to them with these symptoms, they're actually not particularly helpful unless you're a fortunate individual who has a family practitioner who's gone through continuing medical education and really cares about this area. Those are few and far between. So if you understand that as a, as a baseline, then you know that really you're the only one that can take control. And that means that you need to push to get a referral to a specialist and feel really proud about yourself for taking control of this really important part of your health and knowing that it's not the physician's fault. It really isn't. The mm -hmm, system mm -hmm. set up to focus on this, even um, OB-GYNs, they may have just a couple of hours of training unless they do sort of a specialty in it. And that for us was quite shocking to learn. You know, we all assume, well, if I go to an OB-GYN for sure. Yeah. No, that is not the case. So you may be going to uh, OB-GYN as a specialist. It does not mean that they will be a menopause specialist. So for anybody listening to the podcast, um, you know, you can go to our website, menopausefoundationcanada.ca. And if you just look at our board of directors, they're from across the country, at least that's a starting point for mm -hmm. um, a team of people who are OB-GYNs who are actually trained as menopause specialists. And you can be assured that, you know, they're, they, they at least have the training that they need. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That is such a great resource. Um, I want to get to the point of the advocacy and what you will be advocating for. We talked about, um, you know, women in the workplace, more awareness, but Ramona and I have recently stumbled across some, some things we'd love to add to your list, if that's okay. Um, one of them is we were talking about handheld devices for urinary incontinence. And we've learned that um, some brands are going to market and skirting the FDA by calling themselves a health and wellness product. Um, other brands are going through proper FDA approval and going through the safety checks. I don't think any woman would feel comfortable inserting anything 
especially like someone like Ramona who's had cancer that wasn't FDA approved. But like what we were thinking is it should be, it should be full transparency on the packaging, not FDA. Like, I don't know, (laughs) coming from an advertising background, we know they're not going to say not FDA approved, but there has to be some transparency. So women know that there hasn't been this level of safety testing on that product, especially given where we're putting it. But yet that doesn't seem to be the case. And when we tried to reach the FDA, um, got put through three different divisions. We were in the right division in the first place. It was medical devices anyway. And now nothing, silence, crickets, no one's getting back to us. So that's an area of frustration, I think, for us, because we know now, given the size of this market, given the monetary potential for brands and companies, everyone's flooding the market with, here's a solution and, you know, this is going to fix all your problems, kind of like what skincare can do sometimes. But women don't have the basic understanding of all this. How are they going to buyer beware with all of these products aiming at like with their, you know, sights set on women going through perimenopause and menopause. And they're like the new snake oil salesman. I mean, they're targeting them with key messages and branding, but not research and key ingredients. And that's an area we feel like they need to step up to the plate. That's not cool. I don't think you can call the FDA and say that's not cool and get anywhere, but that's that's where we defer to you. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's probably so many areas that, that require more advocacy and transparency. And I think it relates also to that increasing the knowledge gap and helping women understand what is actually the clinical guideline like the actual, what are all the guidelines because they cover off naturopathic, they cover off and they let you know, this is the research that is related to this, to this, to the non-hormonal drugs, to hormonal drugs, to naturopathic products, and really trying to arm women with evidence-based information so that they can make the best decisions possible. And I think that's what you're getting at. But mm-hmm. my, I know personally, when you are desperate, You, you will buy anything. You will try crazy things. Exactly. It's, um, but again, I think it's just having that. If if it's, if it's easier to get that from someone who can assess you, who can understand your history, your medical history, your objectives, your goals, like what, what do we need to do here? And let's try this and has you on a path and is working with you and is collaborative I mean, that's the ultimate, right? That can both give you some education. You can educate yourself, you feel empowered, and then you're really monitoring yourself to see like, am I meeting whatever the objective is? Like less, fewer night sweats, fewer this, fewer that, um, whatever it is that you need. But I, I agree with you. And I think another area related to that is the access, access in every, every part of Canada to medication, whether it's hormonal, non-hormonal, like what what do women get reimbursed for? What do they have access to? What don't they have access to? And that differs widely. I think that's, you know, it's another area that we're interested in. We just aren't, uh, since we've just started, we are not quite ready to get there yet, but Mm -hmm. it is on our list. That's great. And you have a few other things on your list. Can you, can you just 
highlight some of the top sort of goals for your advocacy? Well, Janet already mentioned the the physician. We need to advocate for more education for physicians. They just have to have more basic awareness of even the existing guidelines that they Mm -hmm. need to be aware of. This is a huge proportion of the population. And again, not their fault, but we need Mm -hmm. to get more education, even right in medical schools, so that they have the ability to adequately navigate for women who are coming into their offices, even if it's just to refer them, but not to be the dead end. And I think that was my experience. I know it's many women who I have spoken to, that physician, their, their family physician is a dead end. And that can't, that can't be right. And we need to improve that for sure. We'd like to see education start much earlier. Why don't people know what the word menopause is when they're in high school? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't we be talking about it? So men know this could, and women know this could be your mother. It could be you older in life, but at least there's some understanding of these words, perimenopause, menopause. It's not even in our vocabulary. It, yeah. It's not people. If you ask someone to define it, most people don't really know what the definition is. And so yeah. I think that it's so basic what we have to start with. So that's another area that we'd like to do. And again, as Janet already mentioned, we want women to have access to specialized menopause, perimenopause care and treatment. And the big one, obviously, we need to start with is the awareness. We need just generally mm-hmm. more awareness. We need to try and put a dent in the stigma around this in the it's it's ageism and it's sexism and it's just so many things rolled. It's shame. Uh, I hid my menopause from my husband for a full year. So that is wow. that is pretty good. And it was re- yeah. just related to all of that. I just thought, well, first I can, I'm sure this is going to stop soon. I can get over this. I don't want to talk about it. All of those things. And then, you know, and then of course, one day you sort of wake up and go, yeah, that's not on anymore. But it's kind yeah. of that beginning of the journey. I think women um, certainly, and certainly in their workplace, they're not going to want to talk about it, which is why we want workplaces to be friendly towards peri and menopause. We want people to be educated, managers and supervisors. We want provisions to be made in order if the woman asks for that and accommodation. So these are some of the primary areas that we want to be advocating around. We've been looking towards the UK and what they're doing in the HR area for menopause. And it's pretty hopeful. It's, it's in, you know, it's inspirational. I think they're even allocating like instead of a sick day, but like a, an extra day if you're having a tough time with your symptoms that day. The challenge that we see is that, especially with Ramona and I working in advertising, is it is a completely ageist industry, and we're not obviously the only industry. So I feel like educating 25-year-olds on the fact that I'm going through menopause just gives them more fuel to the fire. You can just imagine what they're calling you behind your back. We've like, we have to reverse that thinking also and put us more into the, we're your elder, we're, we're the wisdom here instead of, <laughs> you know, that old bitty kind of thing. <laughs> it's hard. It's like a hard to shift that mindset, right? Like, well, it's really- and it's the shame piece too, right? Like I was recently having dinner with a bunch of friends, like, you know, women and their husbands. And, you know, the subject came up. And I think, I think it was around the podcast or whatever. And the minute I said the word menopause, one of the men literally recoiled and said, Oh, I'm not going to talk about that. And it was like, it was kind of like this, 
you know, very uncomfortable moment. And I said, why not? Like, why? Like, why can't we talk about this? Why is why is there so much shame or embarrassment? And it and it and it harkens back to like we've talked about so many times of like the shame of getting your period and like having it be a secret and you don't want to talk about it. It's like this is nothing to be ashamed of. This is our biology. Like we can't help that this is happening to us. So why do we constantly have to hide these things and be shamed about them? Like it doesn't make sense to me. And it's, it's hilarious, right? You know, for things like erectile dysfunction, which is associated yeah. with getting older. Oh, my gosh, there's the funny commercials and there's the clinics popping up everywhere. And, you know, there's the jokes that the guys might make to each other. Oh, do you have your blue pill tonight? You know, yeah. like not something that is shameful for men. It's just, yeah, we have this issue sometimes. Let's get on with it. Let's figure it out. I think yeah. the other that we have found, which is a little surprising, but again, if we reflect back on ourselves three to five years ago, women generally do not want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, many women are very quiet about it. Sometimes if you have um, a conversation and maybe there's just one or two women together, they might open up a little bit and they might say, oh yes, I'm going through X, Y, Z. But there are many women who just do not feel comfortable having this kind of a conversation. And some of the symptoms are very personal. It's not easy to talk about urogenital issues. You no, know? it's not. And we're, we're beyond that, you know, so we can talk about vaginal dryness and, and all <laughs> of the things that might happen to you. But um, we've been at this for a little while. So I think in terms of that raising awareness, right, we want to get to those places where women have the knowledge and they have all of the information and there's workplace policies and there's all of these things. However, it must begin with awareness and knowledge and closing that knowledge gap, because I believe truly it is going to be a younger generation of women who are going to drive the change, who Mm -hmm. are going to get so connected on this through their social channels, through their friends who are going to say, why should I have to suffer through this? I want the best life I can have. Um, These symptoms are real. They are health related. They're not in my mind. And I am going to take action to understand what's going on in my own body and then to make health decisions based on that information. And I just feel like we're just not even there to allow women to make those health decisions based on information because there's so much misinformation and fear that's out there. And now, as, as you ladies have alluded to, because we don't have that, you know, every time there's um, a gap like this, something will fill that gap. And what we've seen now are more unscrupulous kind of operators who are saying, women truly need help and they're searching for help. Here you go. Try these 20 different things that yeah. may promise unrealistic results. Um, well, it's going to be a problem too, because um, when you think about something like the topic of urinary incontinence, and then you think about the reality of abolishing urinary incontinence by providing women with a solution like we know are out there. Think about all the products on the market developed to keep women in that that place so they have them for the rest of their lives so there's like the manufacturing the branding them like 
the product development there and distribution. They're not going to take those products off the market. They want us to keep buying, right? Like there's like, I, I think we love what you're doing because you have such an uphill battle, but we know that and we know it's going to start exactly as you said, women need to understand what it is, how it affects them, why they need to advocate and how they need to. And it all begins with, with yourself, you know, start with that, that end of one. If you're going through this, educate yourself and, and make sure you're tracking your symptoms, monitoring those symptoms. We're going to be putting up very soon on our website, a new menopause symptom tracker. So it, it lists like all kinds of symptoms that you could get. And it's a simple tool, but there's not that many of them available um, for women to even again, start that education and awareness raising. Um, so you begin there, begin with yourself and don't accept the mediocrity of a physician or a friend or anyone that just says, you know, pats you on the head and says, well, you know, why don't you take an antidepressant and you'll feel better. You'll feel better. Anyway. <laughs> it's really scares me how many times a guest has come on this program and told me that a doctor offered an antidepressant for their menopausal symptoms. I'm yeah. truly blown away, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, I think I have one last question for you, ladies, and that would be, how can others, how can our listeners support you and help all of our voices be stronger and help you advocate and be the change? What can we do? Well, I would say, you know, as a starting point from uh, the Menopause Foundation of Canada, because we're a new national advocacy organization, we really need people to join us. So visit our website, menopausefoundationcanada.ca. Join us. Membership is free. Um, by creating this network, uh, we'll be able to, when we do have campaigns, reach out to everyone. Um, we have social channels just like you guys do. So Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, join us on those channels. We're just getting those off the ground. Amplify our voices. I think women at this stage really need to um, bring this out of the closet, you know, shine some light on it. Let's destigmatize it by talking through it. And that's the starting point. So if people could could join us and amplify our voices together, I think that's a great place to begin. And we'll also want, ultimately, when we start to roll out public relation campaigns, women who are willing to tell their story from across the country, because it's really important where we're going to be working on getting a report to draw out some of the data, and then really wanting to work with people with lived experience, along with some of the expert medical advisors that we have, to really put together, this is the whole story from the patient perspective, from the evidence perspective, and from the data perspective. And I think that that will be compelling. So I think women who want to tell their story, just to let us know, we're going to start to keep track of everything that we're, um, you know, that we're getting so that we can really put together something and, and use people to help us advocate. Absolutely. Well, we'll make sure to share all of your handles, your website link in our post and in our content so that no one forgets how to get a hold of you. And we'll be talking about you quite a bit. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for taking on this huge initiative. It's going to be so important for women, not just here in Canada, but I feel like 
again, this is going to have the butterfly effect, we hope. That's the plan. Well, and thanks to both of you. Um, you know, when we started to think about doing this in Canada and we looked around, you know, there's not that many of us who are trying to raise awareness of menopause. And I think both of you have just done a tremendous job to try to create a community of women who are talking about this. And um, it's because of your work that we're then going to be able to more quickly, hopefully, you know, get more support and do better on the advocacy front. Um, so congratulations to both of you. Okay, well, congratulations to all of us. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you.